Welcome to the Weekly Word from St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Farmersville, Ohio. Guests who are here with us this morning, as well as to everyone joining us by video and podcast. We want our visitors and guests to know that we practice open communion. We invite all baptized Christians to receive the Lord's Supper with us today. Next week, September 11th, is our Rally Sunday and Youth Sunday. Our children and youth will be leading us in worship, and we will be enjoying a carry-in dinner after the service. Our next fellowship dinner will be on Wednesday, September 14th at 6.30 p.m. at Rob's in Brookville. There is a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board in the fellowship hall if you are interested in going. Adult Sunday School and Confirmation both start up in two weeks, September 18th. Adult Sunday School will be meeting a little after 9 o'clock, and Confirmation will be meeting after worship at around 11.15. We are still in need of both donations and volunteers for our booth at the Pretzel Festival, September 24th and 25th. If you would like to help staff our booth for an hour or two, please feel free to sign up on the sheets in the entryway. We are also in need of cases of donations of bottled water, as well as money for ice. Mark your calendars for the annual FABA Murder Mystery Dinner Theater. This year, FABA will be presenting Objection Disorder in the Court on Sunday, October 23rd at 4 p.m. at the Firehouse. Tickets are going fast. How fast are they going, Ronnie? Pretty quick. Pretty quick. How many did you sell? Did you sell already last week? You you hear that, folks? Ronnie's gone through a pack of tickets already. So, if you want to have, if you want to get a ticket, get them quick. They're going fast. Please see, please see me, Ronnie, or Daryl, if you would like to either purchase or reserve tickets. The other announcements I leave to your own reading. Are there any other announcements for this morning, Shannon? Thank you, Shannon. Kids Club will be starting up after worship on the 18th. Are there any other? Yeah, Ronnie. Trustee meeting right after church, please. Sure. Tr the trustees will be meeting right after worship today. Are there any other announcements? Let us begin with prayer. O Lord, our Maker, Redeemer, and Comforter, we are assembled in your presence to hear your holy word. We ask you to open our hearts by your Holy Spirit that through the preaching of your word we may be taught to repent of our sins, to believe on Jesus in life and death, and to grow day by day in grace and holiness. Hear us for Christ's sake. Amen.
Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The scriptures tell us that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Most merciful God, we confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And
you. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, you have given great and precious promises to those who believe. Grant us the perfect faith which overcomes all doubts through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated as we continue with the readings. The first reading is from Jeremiah 23, verses 23 through 29, found on page 1,212 in your pew Bible. I, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream. I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? They think the dreams they tell one another will make people forget my name, just as their fathers forgot my name through Baal worship. Let the prophet who has a dream tell his dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? The second reading comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 13, found on page 1,877 in your pew Bible. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our own good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, for, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Here ends the readings. Amen. 
Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter, beginning at the 49th verse. Jesus says, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters, grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's gospel reading is, to say the least, difficult. Especially since we've been talking a lot about how Jesus desires peace and unity among people in a divided world. But now all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking about division, even children against parents. So what's going on? Well, the answer is actually quite simple. Jesus is saying that, first of all, when someone is a Christian, that doesn't guarantee an easy life. Hardships can come from following Jesus, especially if doing so involves resisting peer pressure. In Jesus' time and shortly afterwards, being a Christian also meant going against the state religion, worshiping Jesus as God instead of the emperor, and proclaiming Jesus as king and Messiah, which was unthinkable to the religion of Jesus' day. And this means that sometimes this might mean members of families going against each other, as actually happened shortly after Jesus ascended into heaven, when parents would betray children and children would, be, would betray parents to the authorities who would then be put to death um, for being Christians. The baptism Jesus refers to is that he, has, uh, that he has to undergo is also his death. It will be by his cross and believing in the power of his death and resurrection, that is the way people will be able to identify as Christians. And it is for bearing the name of Christian that individuals will be persecuted. Now, we have to be careful when we use the word persecution, however. Lately, it's a word that's gotten tossed around and misused a lot, especially as many people on various sides of various controversial issues have claimed persecution by the other side for trying to express or exercise their beliefs. The dictionary definition of persecution is unfair or cruel treatment over a long period of time because of race, religion, or political beliefs. Persecution is also such unfair or cruel treatment which is inflicted on one group for undeserved reasons, where the group being persecuted is truly undeserving of being treated unfairly. So what constitutes persecution is actually very clear and specific. That is not to say, though, that genuine of persecution, genuine persecution of Christians has never existed and doesn't continue to exist. For example, many years ago, my dad was the pastor of a church in Southern California which sponsored a Chinese ministry. 
One of the members of the Chinese congregation had been a school teacher during the height of the Cultural Revolution in the People's Republic of China during the 60s and 70s. When the local authorities discovered she was a Christian, they encouraged her students to rebel against her and humiliate her for being a Christian by throwing their books on their feet. And I don't just mean toss, I mean they went wham right to her feet, <clears throat> which they did. As a result, both her feet were permanently damaged, and even later in life, she walked with a pronounced limp. Even to this day in China, members of churches which remain unregistered with the government are subject to imprisonment and even torture. In certain countries, where although religious freedom is promised in the law, um, conversion to Christianity is either frowned upon by society or outright illegal. There was a case in Egypt and a case in Malaysia of that happening, for example. Those who do attempt to become Christian risk being disowned by their families, just like Jesus is talking about, fired from their jobs, put in jail, even being executed. Members of one of the oldest Christian churches in the world, the Coptic Church in Egypt, are discriminated against in employment, education, and opportunity for no reason other than being, than being Christian. But persecution doesn't just take place at the hands of non-Christian government or religious systems, or anti-Christian governments. In the former Yugoslavia, Christians fought other Christians for territory and dominance. In Rwanda in the 90s, Christians betrayed and killed other Christians in the name of ethnic cleansing. Even priests and pastors allowed their churches to be used as places of mass murder. In certain other countries, such as Russia and Eritrea, both of which are Christian-majority countries, members of Christian groups which are not recognized as legal by the government risk being thrown in prison. Now, it would be easy to go the direction of blaming, <coughs> pardon me, of blaming persecution of Christians on certain political, certain specific political or religious systems. <coughs> but the reality is that persecution is perpetrated by all kinds of different people. It can also be blamed on one simple cause, human sinfulness, especially the idea that one person or group is superior over another, and this gives them the, the right to hurt and deny freedom and humanity to others. All that being said, we Christians, especially those of us who live in this country, where we enjoy a great amount of freedom to worship, are to work for and advocate for the rights of our Christian brothers and sisters in places where they are persecuted. Groups such as Voice of the Martyrs, Open Doors, International Christian Concern, and Christian Solidarity International have been involved in such efforts to make the rest of the world aware of the plight of persecution, persecuted Christians. And if you haven't, um, if you haven't heard of, of any of these groups before, I recommend looking them up on the internet to see the kind of work they do. They also provide direct support by holding secret baptisms, Bible studies, and meetings. They also work to free imprisoned and enslaved Christians, smuggle Bibles and other, and other materials, and broadcast radio and internet um, sermons and worship services. We are encouraged to be both aware of and actively support the work of those who help our persecuted brothers and sisters 
and pray for an end to their suffering. A lot of this also begs the question, why does God allow his people to be hurt? The answer is, he doesn't. As God, speaking through Jeremiah, says, he is a God who is nearby and is not just far away. He fills heaven and earth, so he is fully aware of what's happening. He is not standing by doing nothing while his people are being hurt. Actually, he is keeping them sustained to the very end. He even rescues some. But, he, but what he is doing to everybody is he is keeping them sustained so they will remain faithful and receive the reward of eternal life. Again, it's human sinfulness, not God, that causes suffering. But these examples we've just heard are also meant to encourage us that even though many of our, of our brothers and sisters are persecuted, they don't give up their faith, belief, and trust in God. And they are also a challenge for us to ask, how many of us, if we were in that same position, would be able to stand firm and secure in what we believe? Would we also be able to say, no matter what happens to me, I'll never give up my faith in Jesus? These are the great cloud of witnesses we hear about in Hebrews, who, by their example, encourage us to focus on Jesus. Even though we may at times face opposition for following Jesus, we can ignore it and cast it aside, looking ahead to the greater reward of going the direction Jesus leads us. Even though we don't face persecution in this country on the scale we've been talking about, that's not to say that we still don't face troubles. While we may not have to suffer for being Christians, we also have to recognize that we have to work with problems every single day. <clears throat> We have to deal with conflicts in our families and communities, individual hardships and pains. We also have to admit that there are certain things that have happened to us because of things we, either, we have either done to ourselves or to other people that have been harmful and hurtful, for which we have had to endure consequences. In those cases, as Hebrews tells us, God is disciplining us, not punishing there's a difference. But instead, God is making sure we learn from what we've done and be able to grow and change. If something has caused damage in our lives, then we learn to give it up and live a different way. But God does that for us not out of vengeful, angry punishment, but instead out of his love and concern for us. He wants the best for us, to be able to live the best kind of life, so he helps us mature even through learning hard lessons. The harvest of righteousness and peace is what comes from the maturity and confidence, from having realized how much better things are since God has helped us learn valuable lessons. God's word, as Jeremiah says, is like a fire and like a hammer that breaks rock in pieces because it smashes through all the false ideas we would be forced to believe, especially the ones that try to tell us that God is far away, distant, doesn't care, and most of all, leaving us alone to suffer and remain in pain. Again, since he fills heaven and earth, 
nothing is secret from him. He is aware of what is happening to us and is doing something in a secret to turn things around and make things better for us. The best example we experienced this morning. In just a few minutes, we will be receiving communion, which is the greatest promise that God is here with us. Jesus will give us his true body and blood to eat and drink, filling us with his power to strengthen us. Many of us are coming here today with feeble knees or with feeble arms and weak knees as we are beaten down by many struggles from this past week, month, or even year and feel we no longer have the ability to continue fighting. We don't know if we can go on because all our personal resources have been sapped. We've also probably noticed that during the day, it's hard to face everything life throws at us whenever we get hungry. But once we eat something, we're able to deal with things with greater strength and confidence again. So we will be receiving spiritual food to help us be able to deal with everything we have to face this week and gain greater confidence, not in our own strength, or only in ourselves, but in God's almighty and supreme power to fight for us and win. We will be refreshed and able to look at our problems square in the eye and say, you don't frighten or intimidate me because God has already dealt with you. God is always near. Let's believe he is near us and is with us to make everything peaceful again. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
together let us confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Open to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. This is the Lord's table, to which he invites all who believe and are baptized to come and feast on his body and blood. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come, or all is ready. 
Please stand for our post-communion liturgy. Now may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you all and keep you in his grace. Amen. to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Thanks be to God. To subscribe to the Weekly Word, please visit your favorite podcast provider. May God bless you now and always.